The Truth and Love Ministry is pleased to present Truth and Love Radio with former Muslim and now Christian pastor Sharam Hadian. Sharam is from Iran and is now a proud U.S. citizen living in Washington State. In addition to being a pastor and conference speaker, he is also the host of the weekly television program Till TV. And now, here is your host, Sharam Hadian. Well, thank you for joining us in the program today. This is Pastor Sharam Hadian, and today we are in part two of shows that we are doing on the ongoing Islamization of America, and specifically, what we're witnessing is the hyper-political activities of the Islamic movement of the Muslim Brotherhood. And on the last program, I began to go into some examples of what we're seeing with the activities of the Muslim Brotherhood, what I believe to be preparations for the Muslim Brotherhood going to the upper house in America, as they have done in Europe, as they are uh, planning to do in Canada and Australia and so forth and so on. This is very concerning, folks. This is concerning on many levels. Uh, Specifically, first and foremost, it is concerning for the upcoming elections in November of 2018, but it is also concerning for a lot of our local governance within uh, cities, mayor, city council positions, county commissioner positions, uh, state legislatures. This is um, something that we must be aware of, and sadly, uh, many Christians are not aware, are not engaged Uh, Don't think that we should have any involvement in what is happening with our government and our civic responsibility. So I want to jump back in to some of the examples we were talking about. And then I promised you that I would play part of the audio of a clip of the Muslim Brotherhood and particularly Nihad Awad, who was the head of care, signaling their intentions to go political. Uh, really well hyper political again they've been political for years uh, we know the infiltration of the muslim brotherhood into the bush admin into the clinton administration into the bush administration uh, of course uh, uh, the Ob- you know obama administration trumped all of that uh, with the with the level of infilt- infiltration that the muslim brotherhood has had in our government in our national security apparatus and so forth and so on We could spend hours talking about just that. But I want to go back to some of these examples I was talking about because part of the connection I want to make is the Muslim Brotherhood is actually using interfaith dialogue, interfaith churches, interfaith groups to actually uh, have them become allies for their objectives, which, number one, is to combat, quote-unquote, combat Islamophobia. And not just combat it. Folks, you have to understand, church, you have to understand, they want to criminalize it. As I said last program, we're seeing this in Canada. We're already seeing some semblance of it here in America. We've seen it in Europe with the movement of the OIC, the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, with laws being passed in Europe that are, are called anti-defamation laws against Islam. Uh, you know, you can't criticize it uh, publicly. Uh, even if it's factual, you, you could go to jail. So this is the cover that they want. In fact, it's the implementation of Sharia because in Sharia, there is slander laws. There are blasphemy laws. So 
if you or I speak out against Islam, which in America is protected First Amendment speech, within Islamic law, that is slander, that is blasphemy. Even though if it's factual, I could be sitting and reading from the Quran. I could be sitting and reading from the Hadith about Muhammad, about what he did, who he killed, uh, his behavior. And it's completely factual. But because of the fact that it is offensive to Muslims and they want to get the laws changed to criminalize that speech, that's how, and, and by the way, that's called lawfare. That's how they're going to get the upper hand and the upper house. So I shared with you that uh, the Council on American Islamic Relations in Minnesota is doing this by getting Christian, Jewish, you know, leaders to come together and caucus with them. They want to get them political. And they're caucusing as Democrats. In most cases, they're caucusing as Democrats, not as Republicans. Um, there was a group in Minnesota called Isaiah that was is a statewide, faith-based, nonpartisan organization for Christians, people of faith, and congregations, this is according to their website, to act and fight faithfully for racial and economic justice in Minnesota. Sounds like social justice, doesn't it? Well, guess what? CARE is partnering with them. And they will, CARE wants these groups to caucus with them and for them. CARE Washington, again, joined with the Southern Poverty Law Center to fight anti-Muslim bigotry, quote-unquote. And they want to get these faith leaders to become politically involved. And, in fact, let me read you their pledge. The group declared at the beginning of this national movement that they're launching now. This is a national movement. In fact, in Washington State, they were sort of doing a guinea pig. You know, it was a test trial. And they're calling it Faith Over Fear. It's a, they did a whole roadshow up and down Washington State. And the goal is, again, mobilize their allies to combat those who are rightfully warning against Islamic supremacy, the dangers of Sharia, uh, the dangers that Islam is to the church. And so here's our pledge. Quote, we pledge to call, to, we pledge to and call upon our fellow citizens to treat our Muslim neighbors with fairness, dignity, and respect, and to uphold through word and deed a commitment to the American ideals of pluralism and religious freedom, and against any religious ban. We will advocate for legislation. There you go. And media portrayals and political speech that promotes these basic American values and commitments for American Muslims. So who are they protecting? American Muslims. Who is going to help them? All of the leftist, liberal, uh, social justice, LGBT, transgender, uh, you know, pro-abortion, secular humanists, atheists, and a bunch of liberal Christians, throw them all in the mix. They're all going to help to protect the Muslims. Meanwhile, like in Europe, when the Muslims get the upper hand and start setting up enclaves, guess who they turn on? Those same people that help them to get into power. And so these are the examples. Now, from these groups... Then what we're seeing happen is that the Muslim Brotherhood uh, and their state affiliates, 
like CARE, are then setting up days at state capitals. As I said on the last program, for seven or eight years running, we've had one here in Washington State uh, where CARE has a Muslim day on Martin Luther King's birthday. In fact, in my opinion, they basically hijacked it, and they're calling it the Muslim day because they believe that they are the, the, the civil rights cause of our time. Uh, my friend, Senator Neil Tapio, who I visited when I was in Minnesota, uh, in, I'm sorry, in South Dakota in August. He's a senator in the state of South Dakota. He was trying to fight this recently because the Islamic Center of Sioux Falls uh, got a busload of people with, their, with all their interfaith coalition. Again, I'll put the link uh, for you in our notes. And they went up to the Capitol in South Dakota in, in Pierre, and they were lobbying uh, legislators up there for these type of uh, legislation and and language uh, and 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 you know Senator Neil Tapio had, has tried to uh, pass uh, get a law put forward to to be able, or resolution put forward to be able to limit refugee resettlement in South Dakota. They you know they crush that because of again their allegiance. The, the Islamic movement with all, with the interfaith folks showed up at the Capitol and crushed that attempt. Uh, Senator Tapio has tried to put forth American laws for American courts, which is to protect our Constitution from any foreign law. They squashed that, uh, and this is the this is what they had. They had a prayer uh, at the state Capitol there, and the interfaith folks joined with the Muslims to pray. Now, are these just any Muslims? Are they just Joe Blow Muslims? No, no, no. The imam of the Islamic Center in Sioux Falls and the, uh, another gal who is one of their main organizers who's a lawyer, Taniza Islam, they are both those who protested myself and Brandon House in April of last year in Sioux Falls, which led to the protest, which led to eventually the Muslim, the heavily armed Muslim guy coming in and threatening our conference with 1,200 rounds of ammunition and five weapons, including two uh, assault rifles or two rifles. I shouldn't, saw, shouldn't call them assault rifles. That's not the correct term. But two rifles, an AR-15 and an AK-47. Thank God he did that in his car and not inside the building. So the same people that were protesting us and this imam and Tanisa Islam were outside our hotel in April protesting us. They're at the state capitol with all the interfaith people protecting them wanting legislation, wanting protection, wanting language in legislation that would uh, come against, quote-unquote, anti-Muslim bigotry. You and I would say that, that that's protected First Amendment speech. Even if I disagree with Islam, do I not have a right in this nation to say so? Not if the Muslims have their way. That's one of the reasons they're getting hyper-political. And if we allow it to happen, then it is a signaling that it is going to the upper house. Does that make sense? Now, point one, again, point one, is that this hyper-politicalness of the Muslim Brotherhood is the sign that they're preparing for the upper house. The fact that they're going hyper-political and talking about Muslim power, Islamophobia, advocating for things that would support Sharia. Remember, the, the whole concept of Islamophobia is Sharia compliant because it is slander in Islam to say anything negative about Islam. It, is, it could be a death sentence in some countries. 
So that aspect of it should prove to us that Sharia is not just a personal matter, a personal faith for Muslims. Oh, it, oh, it doesn't apply to non-Muslims. Oh, don't listen to these Islamophobes like Sharam Hadian and others who are warning you about the dangers of Sharia. It's only a personal matter. Wrong. It is public. Because we know through Islamic history, we know from the Sharia law book, the reliance of the traveler, that once they get the upper house, they then must subjugate non-Muslims, Jews, Christians, and others to Sharia, uh, uh, being Sharia compatible or Sharia compliant. And they have a whole list for what are called dimi, al-dima or dimitude which means to be subjugated and be being made inferior to Muslims. This is, by the way, out of Surah chapter 929. The people of the book, if they're not following the truth because they're not following Islam, if they don't convert, they're to be made inferior, paying the jizya, the extortion tax. And so that should prove that. Number two, we said that the fact that they're going hyper-political they're going hyper-political and going left. They're running as Democrats in most cases. So this is very interesting. The best example of this that I have is Abdul El-Sayed. He is the Muslim 32-year-old doctor who's running for governor in Michigan. Many people are calling him Obama 2.0, except he's not hiding his Muslim uh, belief system like Obama did. Obama was very good at hiding it. These guys, these gals are now running openly as Muslims. So his website is, is, is um, l- let me actually get to it here. I want to make sure that I, that I have it here. I believe I pulled it up. Here it is. Abdul for Michigan. Abdul for Michigan. Now what I did was I looked on his issues page. And when you look on his issues page, it is like completely progressive, socialist, Communist, leftist, uh, big government. Let me just give you a few examples. Fight inequality in all forms. This is his 20-point platform. Raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. Implement state-level state single-payer health care. That sounds like Bernie Sanders. Socialism. Protect a woman's right to choose and eliminate the gender pay gap. So he's pro-abortion. Rebuild crumbling roads and bridges. Make make college tuition free. Sounds like Bernie. And uh, nonprofit and public education. Uh, amend civil rights legislation to enumerate protections uh, for LGBTQ Michiganders. So he's pro homosexual marriage, pro LGBT, pro pro transgender. You're sitting there going, wait a second. If this guy's a devout Muslim and he's following Sharia. Isn't Islam uh, teach that homosexuals should be killed? Doesn't Islam teach that abortion is a sin? Of course it does. Yes, it does. But remember, they are in Dar el Harb, the lower house. They can lie. They can deceive. Whatever it takes as part of war. You think they're going to follow those things when they get to the upper house? Of course not, because they're going to implement Sharia. And so all those that supported them are going to be very sorry. 
um, transition to 100% renewable energy, legalize marijuana, uh, end right to work, prevail. So he's pro union. Um, it goes on and on. So, so these guys are running on leftist causes, social justice, liberal causes, and the majority are going to be caucusing as Democrats. That's that's should be concerning to many of us. And and and, and again, we don't understand that that in midterm elections and many of these local elections, folks, the voter turnout is abysmal. When you're getting a, a voter turnout, sometimes in single digits, a lot of times in the teens. A couple of hundred votes in a mayoral race or a city council race can make the difference. And we don't pay attention. We don't vet these people. We don't ask tough questions. Shame on us. Now, number three, it is becoming commonplace for these Muslims to take their oath of office on the Quran, not on the Bible. The first example of that was, was, was Congressman Keith Ellison from Minnesota. Remember him? He's the vice chair of the Democrat National Committee, the Democrat Party. He's a member of the Muslim Brotherhood. Deeply, oh, he denies that, but he's connected to the Muslim Brotherhood. When he took his oath of office, he put his hand on the Quran that Thomas Jefferson had. Of course, what they didn't tell you was that Quran wasn't because Jefferson was a fan of Islam. That Quran was because Jefferson had dealt with the Barbary pirates for a number of years. Appeasement didn't work, so he read the Quran understood jihad, understood that they they will never uh, uh, agree or capitulate, that they will not stop doing what they're doing, these Muslim nations, the Barbary pirates. And so therefore, he said, no more money to tribute, which they were paying at one point up to 25%. This nation was paying at one point up to 25% of our GDP to the Barbary pirates, to these Muslim pirates within the North African nations. He said, "Not no more money to tribute every last dime to defense. He calls up the United States Marines, and he sends them over there to do what they do best. That is why the Marine hymn has, has the language from the shores of Tripoli to the halls of Montezuma. That's why they call them Leathernecks. This is the history. He swore his oath on the Quran. Michigan Representative Abdullah Hamoud t- uh, taking his oath, guess what, on the Quran. District Judge Carolyn Walker Diallo, uh, who is, a, I believe, a convert to Islam. She was a district judge in Brooklyn. She swore an oath on the, <coughs> excuse me, Quran. <coughs> excuse me. Minnesota Representative Ilhan Omar. Ilhan Omar swore an oath. Swore an oath. Again, this is Minnesota Representative Ilhan Omar swore an oath on the Quran. Now, who is she? She is the first Somali Muslim woman elected as a legislator in the entire United States in the state of Minnesota. She put her hand on the Quran. Recently, there was a Somali Muslim refugee. His name, let me get this for you here, A.K. Hassan. He arrived in, 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 in Minnesota as a Somali refugee in 2008. By 2016, he got elected as a parks commissioner in District 3 in the city of Minneapolis in, in the park board. Guess what? He had an imam at his opening ceremony and, his, had, and he took his oath of office on the Quran. Not the Bible, but on the Quran. Well, guess what? 
If they are swearing an oath on the Quran, one, their allegiance is to the law that is within the Quran, which is Sharia. Number two, they're not even having to lie. You know, it's one thing if they had their hand in the Bible and they're lying about it. They don't even have to lie. So their allegiance is not to the Constitution, no matter what they say. Their allegiance is to the law that is contained within the Quran, to the law of Muhammad, which is Sharia, according to the Sunnah, according to the Sharia law book. So, folks, this is very, very troubling. They're hyper-political. They're running mostly as Democrats on leftist issues to, to fool the left, the feminists, the liberals, the liberal churches, the liberal Christians. They're going to fool them to get into power like they, they have done in Hamtramck, Michigan, uh, the first Muslim-majority city in America, the first Muslim-majority city council in America in Hamtramck, Michigan. It's not Dearborn. Dearborn is a close second, but Hamtramck is that first city. And that city council is going to is already beginning to have some things within their city uh, uh, codes or their city laws uh, that that are resembling Sharia compliancy. Um, we, we, we're seeing this now in Minnesota with the city council in Minneapolis. I believe there's now two Somalis on the city council. There could be more. And again, we're seeing it in state legislators. So the, pay attention. Local races, state races, and of course, Abdul Syed running for governor in Michigan. Do not be surprised. If he gets elected as governor in 2018, he's coming up this year. Do not be surprised if by 2020 even or, or, or potentially 2024, you have a Muslim running for president openly. Again, we already had Obama, but I'm talking about openly running for president. Now, I want to go back and play that clip, just a quick audio of that clip that I mentioned of Nihad Awad, because this is not an accident. This is part of the Muslim Brotherhood strategy as they have met and discussed their plans for America as they got Tremendous open doors under the Obama administration. And sadly, sadly, there's been very little pushback from the Trump administration, including the fact that they, the Trump administration is refusing to label the Muslim Brotherhood as a terrorist organization. I've said to you on this show several times that the worst hire, in my opinion, that President Trump has made is H.R. McMaster as national security advisor, who has basically completely dictated the national their security uh, protocol, uh, and he's an Obama holdover. He 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 is an Obama light. Let me play this clip of Nihadawad. Listen to what he says about mobilizing Muslim voters uh, for the 2016 elections. Uh, this is this is going back to 2015 that he said this, and and now that Trump is in office, they're mobilizing for 2018 and beyond. Listen to this clip. But you will see in the next few minutes that you are powerful. You can make a whole difference in 2016. You can change the reality of our time. This is the time for us as American Muslims to be in the front, not to retreat. Because all of you are leaders. Your votes are your negotiating power in the year 2016. Turn your centers, Islamic centers, mosques, into registration centers for voters, into polling stations during the election time. 
2016, minorities will play a major vote, a major role, African Americans and Latinos. We have to help those people in their causes because their causes are our causes. Black Lives Matter is our matter. Black Lives Matter is our campaign. Did you hear that? Folks, did you hear that? So he said, number one, turn your, poll, your, your mosque into polling stations. They want to mobilize a million Muslim voters. And number two, he said, Black Lives Matter is our matter. Their campaign is our campaign. So this was very troubling at the time, and it signaled that not only are they joining forces with Black Lives Matter and Antifa in the sense of getting uh, violent, getting aggressive, their language, their behavior getting violent and aggressive as, as we're seeing coming from the left, but they're also getting hyper-political. And we, we, we need to be aware of what is happening, and we need to engage. The, if, the, if the Republican Party doesn't get their act together and stand on their principles, if conservatives who are running for office don't get their act together, if we don't pray for more Christians to engage and run for office, uh, folks, this is – and by the way, this is not about Republican-Democrat. This is about uh, our foundation, our constitution, our laws, uh, and godly principles. The Islamic movement is is running not because they want to be part of the American dream. It's because the goal is to bring down the Constitution, to sabotage, according to their own mission statement, on the Muslim Brotherhood from the explanatory memorandum. Remember, the goal is, their mission statement says, they want to sabotage our miserable house and eliminate it, making Allah's religion victorious over all other religions. There's no plan for assimilation and, 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 and kumbaya getting along. So all of this interfaith nonsense that they're using to give them political cover, to go to the state capitals, to have all these interfaith uh, meetings, to caucus the interfaith groups to come and help them, all of it is for the purpose of getting Muslim power. And when they get Muslim power, they're going to be implementing more of Sharia as they are in Europe. That is fact. That is history. And denying of that is suicidal. But that's unfortunately what we're seeing, particularly from many of these lukewarm and naive and confused Christians. God help us. May we repent and turn to the Lord. We will be bringing way more on this in the days ahead. I will be doing way more shows on this in the future. This is not the end. It's just the beginning because we have to be aware of the areas of Islamization that we see in our culture. We're going to continue to cover the school system. We're going to continue to cover politically. We're going to continue to cover what's happening in the churches through all this interfaith deception. Folks, our job in this ministry is to speak the truth and love on all of these issues. We will bear truth as the Bible bears truth on all these issues. And remember, the reason we're here is we've this nation has rejected its God, its foundation. We have to repent. We have to turn. We have to cry out. And we have to act. When Christians did that in 2016, God intervened and gave us Trump instead of Hillary Clinton, which would have brought utter destruction. We got to do it again and not go to sleep. God bless you. We'll see you on the program next time. Thank you for listening to Truth in Love Radio with Pastor Sharam Hadian. You can visit our website, order DVDs, subscribe to our podcast, or support the ministry at www.tilproject.com. Please join us next time for another installment of Truth in Love Radio.